A dance CEO thrives every day with focus on gratitude, growth, and feeling aligned. Unapologetically putting themselves first, striving to become their best self personally and professionally, creating their own definition of fulfillment and success, rejecting the starving artist mentality and competition mindset for one of abundance in all things, including the success of other dance business owners. Welcome to the Dance CEO Podcast. Hello, I'm Audra Allen, the Dance CEO Coach, lifelong dancer, choreographer, and educator. I'm a happily remarried, part-time mom of two little humans and three bonus little humans, proud thriver of adult-diagnosed ADHD, lover of the beach, travel, houseplants, reading, and your host for today's episode. Thank you for being here. Today's guests are Tall and Sarah of the We Are Queens nonprofit organization focused on college-level dancers. So excited to have you learn more about this program, how you could possibly be involved, and even learn what it means for Sarah and Tall to be the CEO of both their lives and their business. Welcome, Tall and Sarah. I'm so excited to have you both here with us. Let us dive right in. I just first want to know, what is We Are Queens, and why did you bring it to life? Yeah, absolutely. I can get started, and then Sarah, feel free to jump in. Um we Are Queens is a nonprofit run by college students or recent graduates, and our mission is to redefine the starving artist myth for college dancers. So naturally, Sarah and I have both experienced the different challenges and stigmas that college dancers face as you start thinking about your next step of life, going into graduation mm. and thinking about your future career path. And with that, there's a lot of pressure. There's pressure to be financially sustainable. There's pressure to answer the question, what's your plan B? There's pressure to look at yourself in the mirror every single day and deal with burnout and imposter syndrome and perfectionism and all that stuff. And really, We Are Queens was born as a way to not only offer a solution to all of these things through professional development, but also give people space and a community and a voice to realize that they're not alone. So that's really all of it in a nutshell. It started three years ago. Sarah was one of my very best friends and people who supported this little baby thought coming to life. And so grateful for her being by our side ever since and now having such an important role within leadership to make it all happen. That's amazing. Okay. I did undergrad and I have my master's as well. And this would be an, a phenomenal resource to have when I was an undergrad um, a long time ago. <laughs> I had to think about like very long, like 15 years ago. So wow, that's just so powerful. I love it. So Sarah, I want to hear a little bit like on your side, um, what has been your greatest challenge in bringing, helping bring this nonprofit to life? Yeah, I think one of the biggest challenges was one, when it was born, I was going into my junior year of college. Mm -hmm. um, so balancing first, figuring out my next steps and like answering all those questions that Tall just mentioned. Um, but in addition, also helping Tall build this empire that we now have was definitely a huge, I've said this before, and um, I wish that I was a freshman when, or a senior in high school when We Are Queens was created because I really could have used it during my last two years of college. So definitely building that as I was going through that, it was extremely helpful and pinpointing exactly what our members are going through but it was really challenging to go through that myself and not have an outlet yet mm, 
Yeah, I didn't even think about that. That's really good insight. Thank you. Tal, what about you? What was what was your biggest challenge when you had this idea and bringing it to life, especially as a nonprofit? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think about this a lot and I think a big part of ourselves as dancers and as women is we won't do something unless it's perfect, right? Mm. Like you go about trying something new. It's like you go big or you go home. Like my mindset was always like, why do this if it's not going to make a huge splash? What's the point? And I think in doing this as college students, you know, we didn't even have our degrees at that time. That was always a blessing and a curse because we were so ambitious. There was nothing stopping us because we had that like merit and grit that, you know, we're going to make this happen. But at the same time, we learned a lot by doing. And as a result of that, a lot of the lessons that that we learned were kind of retroactive and therefore like influence the next steps. But let's say we started this in our late twenties, it might've been expedited quicker. So I think it was always balancing, you know, this need for it to be perfect and this need for it to have as big of an impact as possible because we were so passionate about what we're doing and then really being able to define what success means to us and realizing that if you empower just one college student to feel like they know what inter they're going after they feel more confident in audition room they now have a roommate post-graduation like those are all massive bits of success and that's just as successful as reaching a certain number of college chapters and realizing that it's definitely a marathon and not a sprint and I think honestly that's influenced how I see a lot of life not just we are queens as a nonprofit. is kind of like shifting that mindset and saying like society sometimes influences us to think of success in terms of numbers and yes of course those stats are something to be extremely proud of but also it's not everything and at the end of the day especially with a nonprofit, it's really about how you make people feel how you make yourself feel I've learned that leadership is about bringing other people to the table and you know creating opportunities for them to be leaders um and yeah excited to see what other kind of growth we go through as we continue bringing this to life I love this so I I'm just thinking back to when I was in college and well, Sarah, you shared that you wish you'd had this when you were, you know, the last few years of school and like, yes, I totally agree. But also like to be in a place to like, I think we're going to start something. I couldn't even wrap my head around being an entrepreneur at that point, because that's not something I even thought I was going to be doing until four years ago in my thirties. So um, I'm just, I guess, just voicing on appreciation for the fact that most people, you know, when we're in dance degrees and whatnot, we're choosing to pursue our professional career not thinking we could create our own resources at that point which is what you did so this is just amazing but also i think a testament to how much things are shifting in the dance world that i just keep seeing you know the younger generations like really owning and understanding that you got you have you you are your own best resource and tool and that you're able to create things versus waiting for the things to be handed to you and so just kudos because amazing absolutely love that so right now i'm just here like mm -hmm. you know being your biggest fans i would love to know how large it how large was this when you started and what has it grown into now um so it started with just a group me group chat um it quickly grew within like the first 24 hours from 30 people to over 300 people. And that was when the initial gap statement. So our, what we're grateful for our affirmation, what we're proud of ourselves for. That was when it was born um, every day, whoever felt up for it would send a text in that group, me just saying something that they're grateful for something that they are like an affirmation and something that they're proud of. Um, 
And then within, by the time that, so that was a 30 day challenge. By the time that 30 day challenge ended, I believe we had support of three Broadway shows. And then going into the fall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like processing. <laughs> yeah. So clarify for a second. What do you mean support of three Broadway shows? Like how did they show up and support you for this? Yeah. So they call the mastermind, the girl boss that she is, saw the opportunity, made merch, sent it to the dancers, actresses, and they were taking pictures in the merch, supporting it on social media, actually joining. Some of them even joined the group me's and were saying um, and were participating in the gap statements every day. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. What a great experience on both ends. And then by that fall, that November, again, we were students. So Tall was on Thanksgiving break. (laughs) She (laughs) produced um, a benefit concert in New York City um, where different artists in the New York City metropolitan area were able to perform, produce and perform their own work, choreograph their own work, present their own work. Um, yeah, because that's what we do on our Thanksgiving breaks when we're in college, you know, because yeah, we're not sleep, yeah. we're not sleep deprived or trying to finish and cram in for finals, like or nothing like, like that. Family, or yeah, like friends, or like <laughs> relaxing. <laughs> no, Tall doesn't know that. Tall doesn't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, by that second semester start was when the the idea of the music videos were born and the initial idea of the music videos was that it was going to be addressing an idea or addressing a problem that we saw in the dance community so one talked about body image and one talked about mental health and one talked about just kindness in general because dancers can be mean and so that was definitely something that then those music videos were born Um, And then when the pandemic hit, we took a break, of course. Um, And then in the summer, produced- But did you though? I suspect that it wasn't much of a break. Maybe Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Was it though? Was it? (laughs) It wasn't that much of a break because immediately following that, Tall asked me to, again, help with another music video um, (laughs) that was choreographed, created, filmed, produced- all during the pandemic during that summer and then going into this um my senior year her junior year um was when we really focused on building the Michigan chapter and what the Michigan chapter would look like so and how many music videos we would produce how many members what does that look like and then following my senior year is really when Queens really took off and we grew into the leadership that we have now and I started recruiting for the mentor network and other members and other leadership members started recruiting other chapters um presidents of those chapters so it really it was a slow burn but it really quickly within the Mm. first year and a half really took off yeah and this is such an amazing testament to just really truly how to build a sustainable business structure, profit or nonprofit. 
And, um, you know, like you have to test it out. You need to see what's working. You need to like, you are getting feedback, even just in the group me chat. And then you were having professionals come in and say, there's something here and they wanted to participate. Right. And then it sounds like you were just responding to what was working and you just kept going from there, which is exactly the true best process of building a business that is sustainable. I love that. So where is it now? I mean, you mentioned the mentor program, which is actually how I came connected with you both. I actually found out through Caitlin Sloan from the Brainy Ballerina. And I was like, I went on on the this. I want to help mentor the younger group in any way I can with the business side, since that's something that's expanding, as you know. And uh, so you have that. But tell me more. Where are we now? How big is it? How many states are you in? What's happening? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, Sarah did a perfect job explaining all that. I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, I think, honestly, it wasn't until this past summer where we actually took a break. There was a month where like no one did anything. It was after our New York City retreat. Um, and then all of June, like social media for Queens was down, like no communication between the team members. Like it was actually a 30 day break. And I think it was after that happened that we really, really dialed in on our programming because the last year of launching these college chapters was again, let's try to do everything at once. And I think honestly, like that's an amazing approach because then you're diving into the water and you're trying a lot of things and learning from it. And I don't regret a minute of us operating in that way, but the month break really taught us to a get feedback from all of the previous members that were a part of our organization officially over the last year, ask them, what did they love? What worked? What didn't, what can we improve, make better, et cetera. So get that external feedback internally. We start having a lot of brainstorming come July and August at thinking, you know, it's hard when you're doing a bunch of different things because then people get confused. So we really dialed in into three main pillars and we asked ourselves, what is the number one priority? not priorities. And the priority was really, let's think about professional development and community building for college dancers. And so within that big priority, we built or refined really our three focuses or pillars as we call them. And those pillars include one, the mentor network. So an initiative to connect college dancers with professionals doing exactly what it is that they wanna do. So that we're kind of like breaking that stigma and breaking the gap um, that exists between the training mindset and actually like the doing mindset. That's one. Two, we realize in order to have meaningful conversations with those mentors and really just be prepared for success professionally, people needed to have the tools. And when we say tools, we mean the resume, the LinkedIn, the website, the dance reel, like all those tangible things that surprisingly not many colleges actually teach, which is just mind blowing to me because yeah. it's amazing to have the training, but if you're graduating without the actual thing to get you through the door, then what's the point? So number two is a career crash course that we developed called Redefine. And the idea is to redefine the starving artist myth. And we have two versions of it, one geared towards first years and sophomores. And that's more so like headshots, resume, website, dance reel, like a little bit more of like the, what you would expect. Yep, exactly. And then part two is more so for juniors and seniors. And I would categorize it as focused on becoming a multi-hyphenate. So it teaches them how to create a business resume, how to create a LinkedIn, how to interview, how to find a part-time internship. Because again, we're not really taught that. And as a result, people typically jump to the service industry. And of course, nothing at all wrong with that. But we just wanted to open the door to more. So the mentor network, redefine the crash course. And then number three, in hopes of building community, um, we have monthly roundtables on Zoom. So all of our chapters come together and it's an hour on Zoom. 
do. We go into breakout rooms, think of it as like event session meets like discussion meets Q&A, where people just get to talk, feel like they're not alone, have their voices heard. We bring in a mentor to lead some sort of Q&A about the topic that we've selected. And it's really just all focused on community building and mental health. So those are our three pillars. We have almost 200 members this year mm. and we have representation on almost 50 colleges, which is very exciting. Mm. Um, wow. And honestly, like this year, I'm feeling very grateful for stability more than anything, because I've learned that quality is more important than quantity. So people who are dedicated, committed will show up, um, you know, will just be like a positive addition to the organization versus someone whose name is just on paper. So that's yes. where we're at. That's amazing. What just thank you for sharing the journey. I'm actually glad I asked that and you got to hear like the process because we don't always hear that, right? Yeah, Especially you know, it's part of, we're very aligned in our desire to expand more than just one area that you can pursue in your professional career, right? Like dance professionally or go to open a studio, which is the old stigma, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that if either of those things serve you, but at the same time, there's so much more available, especially now. And to allow people to understand what, what, what their options truly are, and especially business knowledge and awareness and what that looks like. And I love that you're just creating those resources because that is also a mission of mine is to help the dance business side understand that there's so much more than just a studio. And again, we need the studios. That's where dancers start. Um, actually, I've just, I, I've been redefining a dance business owner is anyone who serves the dance industry, right? And so that really, like, some people think like, oh, that what does that look like? And for me that I'm connecting with physical therapists, you know, um, mental health therapists, right? Like all just anything, people who do copywriting and marketing for dance businesses, like anyone who serves the dance business industry, I think is a dance business owner. And I already know that both of you are multifaceted and you have other things outside of your dance career. And that again, also speaks to it, right? You're serving the dance industry. You also have these other skill sets. So why is it that we can only do these few things that we've been taught for so long when we really, we all as humans have so many different skills we're bringing in to keep the dance industry growing and running. Yeah, so exactly. I think and also keep ourselves going and running. You know, yes, I think yes. it gives you so much fuel. Sorry, go ahead, Sarah. No, jumping off of that. No, you're totally fine. Jumping off of that, I remember Tall can totally attest to this. During our senior year, we have something called senior year seminar. Mm-hmm. Where I had something similar. <laughs> is essentially what Queens redefine is where it's supposed to set you up where you learn how to make your dance reel, you make your website, okay. Mm-hmm. And you just talk about your next steps. And I remember being told as a senior in college that now we are the number three public university, but at the time, the number one public university being told that I was going to be a waitress because I'm a dancer, which again, nothing wrong with that. Completely understand that dance, you need a flexible schedule if you want audition if you want to have rehearsal all these things a flexible schedule is key however the pandemic has really allowed a lot of flexibility in a lot of industries there are some industries yes there's no flexibility and that has not changed despite the pandemic however there's a lot of industries a lot of creative industries yes have really become more flexible so why are we still being pushed and told that we have to be a waitress. We have to be a nanny in order to pursue our passion or to pursue a professional dance career. 
Yeah. Um, and so I really used my first year post-grad as building my resume, building my skills, doing internships that I really wish that I had had the confidence to research and do during my undergrad rather than as a post-grad. Um, because again, there's nothing wrong with any of being a service industry worker. However, dancers have so many skills that should be used towards other careers. Totally. We're just never told that. Well, I firmly believe, and I've had to work through my own, you know, upbringing. I I guess I'll preface this with, you know, I, I was, I'm part of the dance training generation that we were getting like the tail end of like old school like when I was little like we would line up in the hallway and allow a little sip of water kind of thing right like the old school mentality of like really restrictive training Mm -hmm. and then um the attempt to transition that is more physical and anatomy awareness came in and Pilates really took the scene right and how like so that was still expanding but still that um you are a dancer first even if it was ever verbally said right you give your life to it and i've had to work through all of that myself and um so grateful i've chosen to but really what i've learned is that we are all creatives at our core and dancing is a way that we express that in one of many facets and i know many dancers who have other creative outlets i love so many other things but i just you know at the time my, my focus was dance and so like you just shared professionally why is it that we're only focusing it on one right yeah. like why is it that that's the thing and um i i'm gonna probably but people listen to this are not gonna be okay with me saying this next thing but i also say this with the fact that i have my master's degree in dance and choreography and teaching and i've taught at multiple universities now in dance departments that the higher education is one of the slowest changing evolving structures Mm -hmm. and that being said the educators that come in for the longest time you know would get tenure and whatnot and have very low turnover rate so the education that they're bringing is a little bit more yeah yeah that you said it first not me outdated (laughs) and um um and so firsthand yeah yeah, and I mean, I experienced this, and this was 15 years ago, and yet you're still experiencing this 15 years later, and that's just a testament to, unfortunately, what hasn't shifted fast enough. Yeah. But what is shifting outside of higher education is the younger generation recognizing this, and so I'm I'm personally curious to see what shifts happen. I don't know if it's going to happen very soon in higher education because there's still value in that, right? Like, of course, there's value in all the different ways that you can increase your dance training and your knowledge, but understanding that there's more than one way to do it. I'm a complete advocate for the fact that dancers now recognize the internet is a tool for them because so many people are online offering amazing resources to support dancers in any capacity. So Mm -hmm. the the faster the dance world can help understand that there's not one way to do this and that dancers are now taking control of their pathway is going to only help evolve the dance world faster. And now that I've said that, I'm sure I'm going to probably hear some backlash. I'll step off my soapbox for a second. (laughs) (laughs) What are your thoughts on that? If you want to go down this road, we don't have to go down this road, but you can if you want. Well, you know what's so interesting? I think the pandemic and a lot of just like societal shifts have also affected the way that dancers look at themselves Mm -hmm. and the way that dancers look at each other. Mm -hmm. I 
think that part of that shift is, I mean, we started the podcast with this is being human first versus dancer first. Yes. And honestly, I think that's why to this day, like every Zoom meeting, every event, every conference, anything that we do for Queens, we always start with the gap challenge. And I think that's also why bridging the gap took off so quickly three years ago, even before pandemic is because we are craving a space and a community where we can just be human. Like we feel like the minute we walk into a dance studio, you know, we become ultra focused, ultra disciplined. And that is so important. Don't get me wrong. I think that's what's led us to be where we are today. But at the same time, it's also so important to like pause and slow down and just like recognize the present moment and recognize where you are and not constantly be chasing the next goal because we're always going to be go-getters. That's part of our reality as dancers. Oh, I feel called out. I was (laughs) thinking about all this last night. I was reading a book and so interesting. The book is basically saying how we constantly think that the minute we hit our next goal or our next target, we're going to be happy. But what actually happens is that once we hit that next target, there's a new target. And then it's like a never ending cycle. And so how do you stop that cycle? And honestly, it took me a really long time to understand this. I suffered from a lot of different mental health things. My first year of college, I was dealing with anxiety. I was dealing with burnout. And I think it took me learning to slow the heck down and just kind of like, take my foot off the gas for a second. And this was right before Queen started and realized that like, whoa, as dancers, not only are we going 150% for ourselves, but we're also going 150% for our families who've invested money and time to send us to training for social media, where we see everyone else and their mothers booking jobs. And we feel like we're comparing and all that stuff for the people who've asked us countless times, what's your plan B? It's like, we want to show them that we can do it. So there's like so many different factors and in a world where you're constantly like hammered with all these different voices, you have to find your own voice. And I feel like I've learned to find that voice by slowing down and by being human first. One of my dear friends said to me one time, we're human beings, not human doings. And Mm -hmm. so it's okay to be and not constantly hustle. And again, the hustle is never going away. So it's not like we're about to sit on the couch and watch Netflix for the rest of eternity, but it's about learning how to manage that hustle in a healthy way. And honestly, I think that's one of like, the bottom lines of queens is how can you develop a community where people can then like redefine these stigmas and realize that there's nothing wrong with having a plan B, whether you call it a plan B or a side hustle or whatever you want, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's even just like vocalizing it. It's hearing from mentors because we have this like very specific picture in our head of what things should be. And the minute that you actually talk about it, the minute that you hear others talking about it, the minute that you hear people that you look up to talk about it, then everything kind of starts to change. We're taking a quick break to learn more about my new program offering called the Dance CEO University. This six-month group coaching program is meant for established dance business owners who are ready to take their knowledge and skill set to the next level, expand their abilities personally, really start to create their day-to-day ideal life, and grow their business into what they thought might happen but not sure how to make it happen. So if you are all interested in this possibility that in six months time, you could be experiencing a new level of you personally and professionally and just experiencing the life that you've only been dreaming about, DM me on Instagram at the Dance CEO Coach, the word university, 
and I will share with you all the information as the waiting list is now available for the next round. Can't wait to see you in my inbox. Now, let's get back to Tal and Sarah. That's very aligned with my philosophy, which is, you know, um, personal before professional, right? And so speaking, of course, on the dance CEO business side, right? Like that's the second step in my four-step process. The dance CEO method is master your mindset and then personal before professional. We don't even address business until step three. So yeah, we're humans first, but you know, we are we're taught from a young age, right? Still the scarcity mindset in the dance world, right? There's limited availability. If it's handed to you, you better be grateful and take it. But really that's not true. And especially now there's so, there's, there's a space for every dancer who wants to dance. There is room for you. There is someone who wants to work with you. There's a job for you to have, however that looks, small or huge, right? There, of course, is the different tier systems. There's the very high end, we know world renowned dance companies, and that's a different level. I'm not saying you can't reach it, but if you're like, hey, I only started dancing at this time, but I want to dance professionally, freak yeah. If you get paid for something, you're a professional. Like you are, right? It doesn't have to be like you're in the company for the year, right? You have your seasonal contract and you get all these. If it's like, you know, a performing gig for two months, right? You got paid, you're a professional. And with that, also the free, the freelance artist approach is so pop, like it's mainstream now because people are taking ownership of what they want to do versus saying, I'm in this place for so long and I'm in a contract for a season. I actually want to work with multiple artists and I want to have this other job. I love doing, I mean, I know both of you do this. You're like, I have this other job I want to do as well because I enjoy it while I also do this. And I know I'm saying what you're doing and living right now. But things have shifted and it's not scarcity. There's room for everyone. And you don't have to be a professional dancer to still be in the dance world. You can take that into something else and still still assist and help the dance world grow and find what you love within that. There's permission for that. Yeah. So, yeah. And I feel like we got to give ourselves the permission first. Yeah. I think a lot of these like thoughts are beliefs that then we've created ourselves. So it's mm-hmm. about like, how are you going to be okay with seeing someone on social media that you're jealous of like how are you going to be okay with that how are you going to handle rejection and I think the more we talk about it the more we normalize it and the more we can heal from it and take the next step yep so true like that and that's what I've had to work through and what my goal is now is to help the dance business owners who are in all capacities still carrying their childhood dancer self trauma unknowingly even maybe to let that healing happen to help continue to support themselves as humans first and the business the dance business and the dance world second yeah i love it sound like i'm a therapist i'm not a therapist just to be clear Um, okay, so I want to dive a little bit more into the day to day because we've already discussed this, right? Like, look, you're not like sitting down at a nine to five, like, you know, I mean, well, I meant like as far as running your nonprofit, like, you know, yep. there's lots happening. When do you work on and run We Are Queens? How does that, how does that happen? <laughs> Sarah, take it away. Sure. I really try to set down depending, I mean, the mentor network, there's, a busy season. And I would say there's an on season and an off season for the mentor network specifically. I would say right now we are in our on season. Um, (laughs) When we're in our on season, I really try to sit down one day a week and hammer out what my like daily weekly task is for my role in We Are Queens. Because again, I do you have other jobs? I am professionally dancing. That is like the one thing that I'm 
extremely internally grateful for for tall is she's totally understanding that all of the leadership members and exec board members are all doing other things that we are queens is not their only thing that they are doing um that we're all balancing whatever it is on top of we are queens well wouldn't that hinder the whole point of we are queens like that would totally go against like you need to be living what you're practicing yeah, exactly. and pre yeah. preaching right so like exactly. i love that you guys are embodying and being the first examples of look this is really what it is about and we're living it so we want to be an example to those who are joining exactly so just having the understanding and the support that some some weeks my work is just way too hectic and I just need to push back this deadline a day or two I will get it done but I just need to push back a day or two but my goal especially for the on season is really like Fridays are my are my we are queens day and I sit down and I answer those emails and I text tall um during the off season it's really what comes up you know we're really talking about preparation for the next year connecting with the mentors connecting with the students if there's something coming up the New York retreat that was coming up during my off season so then that put me back on you know like one day a week or since it was urgent short-term project that we were working on that was multiple times a week for a few hours so it really just kind of depends um on my day-to-day -day. but again I have one rule. I'm not tall. So tall. <laughs> tall, when do you work on it? Or when do you, when do, you do other things? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, you know what's interesting? If you were to ask me this question a year or two ago, I'd be like two, three hours a day. But I think I learned how to delegate and that I shouldn't do everything by myself. And that was a hard pill to swallow, especially when it's your baby. So I think as of about a year and a half, two years ago, that's when we built the executive team. And the executive team is comprised of about 10 badass women, all of which I'm really grateful to be calling some of my best friends. Again, all college students are recent graduates, but there are people that like, I really feel we've handpicked, not only because of how I feel about them personally, but specifically because of their personal passion and connection to what We Are Queen stands for as well as like their per professional like aspirations, like what they want to do. Like I remember when Sarah and I were talking about her role right now, director of partnerships, specifically for the mentor network, we had a conversation about a year and a little bit ago. And I was like, okay, she had just graduated from college. We we're like, okay, what are your professional goals so that we can align like what it is that she wants to be doing in real life, what it is that Queens needs and where the two can meet in the middle. And we've done that for everyone on the team. Because I think one, that creates the most productive kind of workflow for Queens, but two, and more importantly, it creates a learning curve for the people in those positions to be doing things that are tangibly impacting like their life and their goals. For Sarah, it was connecting her specifically with the mentors, with people in the industry that she would be then dancing next to, rehearsing with, networking with, et cetera, having her gain leadership experience through communication, like press, all those things that now are having like a direct impact on her um, on her other job. So I guess number one was being very intentional about the team and making sure that each of those people like have autonomy and responsibility so that I'm not babysitting. Because I think honestly, a lot of the time that can take up a lot of your time, but it hasn't because everyone like really steps up to the plate. Our expectations are also very manageable. Like I recognize that, sure, if this was our nine to five, we might have grown 
what we have, what we have done in the last two years might've happened in three months, but again, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think in terms of how much time I spend on it on a week, it's funny. Like when I touch anything, we are Queens, like I'm kind of like in a deep flow state. Like, I feel like time's like not passing. Like I'm in my own world. Like you can be talking to me. Like I won't even hear you. Like I'm so like in the zone and I think it's because I love it and I'm so excited by it. Like I feel so energized by it. So it never really feels like, oh, like now I have to do this. And of course, there's moments when that's the case, but nine times out of 10, it's not. I would say about an hour a day. I, I am pretty consistent day to day because again, just like Sarah said, some people have their day is Friday. Other people, their day is Monday. So like, I kind of have to be like available, track, available. Exactly. But I think we were intentional in strategizing methods for people to be on track to minimize that time. So for example, we have a monthly tracker spreadsheet where everyone's goals and tasks for the month are there. We have a deadline, we have a place for them to put notes. So then that minimizes the 10 minutes of texting me like, hey, how are you doing with this project? And instead like each person automatically updates that. I needed an update, I look at the spreadsheet, done. In terms of meetings, I think those are the biggest drainage of time. So we have one monthly meeting with the entire exec team for an hour, first Sunday of every month. Everyone knows that's when they log on. It just changed. It changed. Second Sunday of the month. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> um, everyone, everyone like gives their updates. Like, so again, there's no like broken telephone. And I think besides that, like even having our VP and secretary, Allie, who's like the second hand to all feeds, like she'll handle a little bit more of like the nitty gritty tangible stuff and then update me so that we're just having a little bit more like clarity. So honestly, it's not a crazy time commitment now that we have put all this into place um and i think we always talk about like making sure that every minute that you are spending doing this like is intentional and impactful and that you're also getting something out of it yeah i remember it was the second or third music video Mm -hmm. um, that we ever did and tall actually got sick this was oh yeah this This is like COVID time yeah yeah, this was like during COVID and she got sick and she couldn't come to like two, like a day of rehearsal and then like the day of filming. And she was like, can you face me in? Like, I'm trusting you with my baby. Like, is this going to be okay? And I was like, Curly, I got this. And then what ended up happening is I ended up taking a nap because I was trying to give myself like the permission to actually trust. So I turned my phone off. I napped for like four hours purposefully when they were filming because I had COVID. So I could, I knew like I couldn't have been of any help. And it was um, Sarah as well as one of our other team members who's amazing. So like, obviously they had it under control. It was honestly one of the best music videos we've ever had, but it was like a learning experience to be like, okay, turn your phone off, trust, let go. And it's all going to be perfect. Yeah. I totally understand. Right. Cause especially like tall. So it sounds like you're very much in the role of CEO where you're holding the visionary of the, the growth of it and your VPs helping make hit the ground running thing. So I love that you're, you're understanding the delegation and the power of having the team make your visionary happen, but also you're continuing the long-term of it. Mm-hmm. So same for me, but also what I've learned is when I bring other people onto my team, how much more is possible because of their expertise that I don't have. Yeah. Like when I brought on um, someone I was working with, with my branding and my graphic design and they were designing things so differently than I would have thought, but I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like I had no idea that that's what this could be. But I, you know, like when I gave myself permission to say, 
I'm yeah. going to let you yeah. now do your job as long as you know they understood what my goals and focus was. And then it's a dialogue, of course, right? You're not just like praying and then hand it off and walk away. Like there's a dialogue and expectations. And But like it's amazing how much more your business can become practically and also the growth it can make down the road when you let others come in on your journey, when you trust, like you said. Totally. And I think that's like the power of it because like I don't want queens to ever be like, leader followers because that's like totally contrary to what it stands for it's more like i am queen and you are sub queens like that doesn't make any sense (laughs) i am queen and you are my service (laughs) absolutely not um no 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 i see it as like table queen 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 like everyone is like in that position my dream is for everyone to like feel like they're a leader in their own way. We also have interns that come through our doors and that's a really cool opportunity for like Sarah to be able to delegate and like have that sort of like leadership experience. Um, But yeah, I think that's like something that I take to heart. I also think that's why like when shit hits the fan, like I'm always like so down to like do the nitty gritty, like go into the spreadsheet mode, even if that might be someone else's job, just because it needs to get done. Like, it's very much like everyone's willing to roll up their sleeves and like, and make it happen. Yeah. That sounds like a very healthy organization. You, you are helping the vision continue to happen, but you're also aware of how all the jobs are done, but you're letting people do the jobs, which you're able to step in when needed, right? Leadership is when you're able to lead by example and trust and show that it can be done, but also let others do their job. That's so good. I love this. Um, okay. Final question. Well, not final specific question to this. <laughs> How do you define success within the organization and life? Deep questions. <laughs> it's something that you hit on a little bit ago, Audra, um, which is this idea of like a vehicle, right? And the idea that I think we all as individuals have a purpose in this world. Sometimes it takes us a little bit to figure out what that is, because I think we're born with whatever our passion is, or we learn to discover whatever our passion is, whatever it is that we're good at, whatever it is that we're excited about. But that's not necessarily our purpose. Like, I think our purpose goes deeper than that. And it's kind of like our why. And I think what we love, what we're good at is the vehicle. So yes, like dance is the vehicle. Queens is the vehicle. Community is the vehicle. That's not like the purpose. That's not the greater why, because you can achieve the greater why in different ways. Mm -hmm. So I actually think my life purpose, I've been able to discover through Queens or my current life purpose. Obviously this is going to, right. It's going to (laughs) shift currently, (laughs) but, um, yeah, I don't know my life purpose completely at 21 years old, but, um, I'm 37 and I'm still figuring that out, but yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Um, I think what excites me most about Queens is two things. One, the empowerment which can happen on an individual basis. So like when Sarah texts me and she's like, I just got a third round interview at this job that I've been like dreaming about, or like, I just got a call back from an audition. And like, I use the Queens, like, even if it's not necessarily related to Queens, but if she'll say like, I use the Queens format for the dance reel, like something like that, like, I just like bubble up inside. And I'm like the biggest hype woman for my friends when that sort of stuff happens. So I think one, it's the empowerment. And two, it's the sense of community. Like there's nothing I love more than like seeing people together and seeing people who've never met each other come together and seeing people bond over things. So those two things are big, big, big values of mine. And they've allowed me to discover that I think my greater life purpose is to celebrate life. So to create that sense of empowerment by 
creating community. So by empowering others to come together, create community, like be present, do the thing that they want to do. And, um, and I definitely see that happening, not just through Queens. I mean, the dance companies that I go after and the auditions I go after are very focused on places that are positive, that are warm, that have a greater mission, that, you know, have something that's bigger than self. And I think that that's how I define success within Queens. Like you have one person that lands that dream job, or even if they don't land it, even if they just leave a Zoom meeting, like feeling a little bit more confident about themselves or feeling like they can look in the mirror and like be happy with the person that they're looking at, even just for like that one specific day, like that's hundred percent success to me. Um, and then in self, it's like creating moments for myself and for other people to like relish in those sort of like spaces. Mm. Thank you. That's beautiful. Sarah. Um, I think what we initially started off with for me is just impacting one person in a positive way. Um, I grew up with both my parents being doctors. I have two older sisters. One is a doctor. One is a therapist. My brother is getting his post back so that he can go to medical medical school and be a doctor. Um, everyone in my family, like medically driven. Um, and seeing that and growing up and seeing how they impacted people and how they helped people. Um, I was like, oh, my God. I want to do that. I want to help people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did find that in college, not necessarily the medical field was for me. I did enjoy learning about it. Um, you know, kind of geeking out over like different, like learning about like fermentation. Like that's so cool. Like, oh my God. Like, I did <laughs> enjoy geeking out over it. But, but you don't want to get paid money to live your life in that space. But yeah, I did <laughs> not want to go to like, eight more years of school and all of that but I still wanted to impact people in a positive way um and do something meaningful rather than yes pursuing my passion is meaningful but I wanted to help people as well um so I think for me just one impacting people one person in a positive way I think that really came to light um when we did the New York City retreat and I was able to be there in person because I am currently based in Manhattan just connecting with the people and seeing we had a luncheon with the mentors who were in who were available and based in New York City and seeing them connect in person with their mentee being like I did that like I did that um and just like them becoming friends and using each other both the mentor and the mentee um yeah, that was just like really exciting and impactful for me. Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. Oh, so good. Okay. How can people get involved and support We Are Queens? Because I suspect some are like, what is this? I want like, how can I help? What's going on? Yes, absolutely. Easy peasy. <laughs> Easiest way is our website or social media. Website is wearequeens.org. And you can find us on Instagram as well, as well as TikTok, as well as Be Real, all the things. Um, there's a few ways that people can get involved. If they're interested in joining as a current college student, you can join either as part of a chapter. So if there's already a chapter on your campus, you can join that. You can also start your own chapter. And that just means recruiting at least five members. 
Or if you just want to get a taste of We Are Queens, become part of the community, but don't necessarily want to um, create a chapter on your campus, you can join as an independent, which is something new that we've offered this year. That's awesome. So that's if you're a college student, but we're also excited to share that we have lots of plans brewing for both high school students as well as recent graduates. So we can create the full pipeline of, um, of the dancer going into their career. So we'll be sharing more info about that. And then finally, if you're interested in joining as a mentor, you can check out our website and there is more detail on that or you can just email us or send us a dm on social media either works we're very responsive um but yeah that's it that's so good okay yes and if you're in seriously interested just at least look into it i've i've felt very honored to be a part of this process as a mentor and what i'm learning from this as well it's not just like let me give but i'm also receiving so yes mm -hmm. if you're interested definitely do it that's my little plug um <laughs> okay final question i finish all podcast interviews with this um what does it mean to you to be the ceo of your life and business i think for me it's this idea of claiming ownership of your life, being active, not letting dreams and hopes and wishes kind of like fly by as like maybes or ifs or that would be nice, but like actually making it happen. Um, whether that be personally, whether that be within We Are Queens, whether that be uh, professionally in my own dance life, et cetera. I think it's about like taking that ambition coupling it with drive and discipline and then like making it happen, like jumping into the water. I love it. Thank you. It's so funny because I just like currently do not feel like I am the CEO of my life. Um, but that is another thing. Um, yeah, I think, I think it is just going off of tall of just ownership. I think one thing that I like really strive to live by is no complaining and if you are complaining why are you complaining and how can you fix that so you're not because I think I really shouldn't be complaining because I have the opportunity to be a professional dancer live in Manhattan work a part-time job in um a creative field that I never thought that I would have the opportunity to work in so if I start feeling uncomfortable upset and I'm complaining and I'm unhappy why are you unhappy and how can you fix that what actions can you take don't just sit in it don't just sit in these uncomfortable yes it's gr good to be uncomfortable so sit in that and then figure out what you need to do to make it so that you're not like that mm -hmm. feeling and I'm not saying that no one can complain. Obviously, if you have a bad day, dump it out. Like, obviously, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. But I'm really just trying to say, you know, like, if you're doing a job and you're unhappy with it, don't, don't quit. But what can you do to make yourself more, hap more happy mm -hmm. in that position? Yeah. Yes. So like you both said, like taking ownership, I'll add to this, you know, being the CEO for me is that you are the one who gets to choose what's happening in your day. And there are things, of course, outside our you know, outside forces, but like how you respond to the things. And at the end of the day, the feeling you have when you go to bed, that's on you taking control versus just reacting, becoming proactive. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for both for being with me. I love diving more into We Are Queens. I even learned more and i enjoyed your thoughts and sharing your insights both personally and what it's like running the program and thanks for being here today thank you yeah.
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Dance CEO Podcast, where aspiring or established dance business owners and entrepreneurs learn to become the CEO of your life and business. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review and rating. To stay up to date and get all the behind the scenes content, you can follow me, your host, on Instagram at the Dance CEO Coach. Until next time.